Today on the We Invested podcast, we have Craig Cecilio, and he is the CEO and founder of Diversity Fund. Craig, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And before we get started, you know, would you mind letting the people know where they can find you on social media or uh, the internet? Yeah, pretty easy. My name's Craig Cecilio. Uh, so my social handles, Craig Cecilio, uh, CXC, as well as you can check out the company Diversity Fund, diversityfund.com. Uh, we're on social media. We have an app as well. And also you could uh, mobile friendly web interface. That's, That's incredible. Fun. That's incredible. So, you know, let's just kind of start from the beginning and talk a little bit about, you know, where you're from and where you grew up. Yeah, I mean, it's a great story. I, I grew up in East Coast, uh, a suburb of New York. I call it the state of Connecticut, which is kind of a suburb. It's very small <laughs> compared to everything else. Uh, came my, my mom was a school teacher. My dad just worked in retail. So kind of middle class family. Uh, Connecticut, part where I was from, pretty wealthy. So I was surrounded by a lot of wealthy people. Uh, went to school out there. And then I got the fortunate circumstances to move out west to go to college in uh, Colorado, in Boulder, Colorado. And then I made my way all the way to the West Coast and to San Diego, uh, California. And that's where I end up where I am today. And that's where the idea of diversity kind of uh, uh, came from. That's awesome. So, you know, how would you say that growing up in Connecticut impacted your outlook on life and success? Gosh, I think your childhood really defines who you are. Uh, I remember growing up, dad used to kind of complain about everyone around him making a lot of money and not himself that things were always against him. And I kind of always told myself, as I kind of get older, I was going to kind of uh, go out there and kind of control my own destiny. I wasn't going to work for anyone ever. I was always going to start my own businesses. And here I am today. It's, uh, it's a long time ago that I was living in Connecticut, but I've owned my own businesses my entire life. And I, I think the biggest thing there is I think that was where the idea of Diversity Fund kind of started brewing. Uh, from my childhood and seeing all these people around me having all these great opportunities, making a lot of money and stuff. So when I had the opportunity and I saw some things uh, that happened out of the Jobs Act 2012, I kind of had one of those aha moments. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. And I kind of, I just started to run with it from then. That's awesome. So, you know, what is Diversity Fund? Uh, Diversity Fund is a platform that allows anyone, regardless of your net worth, to invest in alternative investments. Our product today is multifamily real estate. So we have a minimum as low as $500. So that means you don't have to have any prerequisites to invest. It could be anyone on social economic ladder. It's a platform itself. There's no one there judging you. It's all automated and stuff. And we take that money, we pull it together, and we go out and we buy institutional quality assets. And our asset size is usually somewhere around $15 million to $25 million uh, purchase price to acquire those assets. And you can see to kind of get access to that, you have to have a certain dollar size. And all the gatekeepers who facilitate those transactions are always trying to work with hedge funds, ultra high net worth families, family offices, institutional investors. And they're not really looking out for the everyday investor, someone who might have a thousand bucks, 500 bucks, even 10,000 or $25,000 to invest. They want to go with someone who's got to write a $10 million check all the time. So we're able to build this out through technology and some of the laws that came out, the regulations came in the Jobs Act to allow everyone that opportunity to invest. And here, here we are today, we have about 30,000 people who have invested 
onto the platform around 70,000 transactions. Our community is about 600,000 strong and growing. And we just continue to grow. And we just had a phenomenal year. The market was great in real estate. So we really did well for this past year. So uh, it's quite, I feel uh, not only privileged, but I feel just really lucky to just kind of take a vision and kind of be where we are today. That's incredible. I mean, and, you know, I heard you mention that you give, you know, small investors or investors of, of any size the chance to invest in institutional quality assets or institutional quality um, real estate investments. So how do you define institutional quality? What is the criteria for that? Yeah, you, usually it's, it's a larger asset size where the institutions are involved and um, they uh, dominate the markets. They go in and uh, they just have a lot of liquidity. They have a lot of connections. The brokers, the gatekeepers are the brokers, the attorneys, the accountants. Uh, they like to deal with them because the commissions are pretty big. They're making at least six-figure commissions in all these deals. They like to work with someone who could close a transaction all the time and get that repeat business from them. So it kind of takes a while to get into that kind of, I call it a game, and get into that industry in itself. And so we were able to build like a machine up where we have all these micro investors come together. And so we look like an institutional investor to them. So that's why we're able to get first look like everybody else. In the beginning days, yeah, it was a struggle telling people you had this idea, but that's kind of one of the reasons I started it later in life because I built a reputation out. And so the reputation allowed us to, uh, to gain access. And that's the big thing is most people don't even know these exist, these type of assets exist or how, where to start or where to begin or, or whatever. A lot of the feedback customers because they really don't know much about this asset class and how it works. We had to do a lot of education, uh, a lot of a lot of different types of education and, and just really guide them to that process of how it works. And, and also at the same time, understand how this works for them because each person's situation is different from everybody else. For sure. So, you know, how did you get started in this industry? What was that spark that led you into, you know, merging tech with real estate? <clears throat> Yeah, I, I would say I've always had an interest in, in real estate since an early age and being an entrepreneur and, and controlling my own destiny. And as I started my, in my first companies, I was always employing technology to make things more efficient, uh, either from a systems point of view or from a marketing point of view. And you get to a certain size and develop a lot of uh, contacts and only way to access those contacts is is usually using some type of technology and some kind of uh, uh some kind of processes and systems together. So it was always piqued my, my interest. And so as things kind of developed over the last last couple of decades, it was kind of a natural fit for me to kind of go this route and add more and more. Uh, as and today, you know, things are, are all over the place with, with technology, things are growing. And it's, uh, it, I think it's phenomenal because it allows in businesses like ours to flourish and to exist because of technology. And uh, it just, uh, and, and you're going to see more and more kind of legacy and traditional type businesses move into and apply technology and be more innovative. And, uh, and you can see across the board, you can see it from, from Tesla to all of the trade apps out there. Uh, you see with the blockchain technology coming out and how we're utilizing that. You see it like, you see it everywhere in life. For sure. So, you know, it, um, it, it seems like you have a really deep understanding for business and, you know, like you mentioned, processes and systems in place, you know, having those in place to be able to run a business effectively. How did you go about, uh, you know, gaining this business knowledge or, you know, this business acumen that you have? 
Yeah, I could say I've read a lot of books. I've met a lot of people. I, I'm constantly learning and growing. Uh, I have a saying, do, learn, grow. So I always kind of do things. I learn from it, whatever that result is, positive or negative. And by accepting that and accepting that feedback, that's where my the growth comes. And con- it's kind of repeat rinse every day. Be relentless with that. It's kind of always learning, always sucking in, talking to people who've done it before, networking myself in certain groups, reading whatever's out there and applying this stuff. And it just becomes like walking and talking. It just becomes a natural habit for myself to do that. And no matter what happens, I look at things as, uh, I don't look at it as negative or positive. I look at, hey, this is just the way it is. Here's the information and I'm learning it. And how do I deal with it differently this time? And really setting that up with myself is always kind of being honest with myself, con- confront that and say, okay, why this work or why didn't this work? Or if it did work, you know, how can I make it work better? And, and constantly do that in everything I do in life. Incredible. So, I mean, you know, you mentioned that you had previous businesses and previous companies before. So, you know, how, how was that transition for you from, you know, the previous businesses that you had and that you created to this current tech company that you have today? Yeah, uh, I, I laid the foundation, so I made a lot less mistakes than I did uh, with everything else. You learn a little bit with, from those uh, previous experiences that you have. I, I think that's the one thing is is that's the most difficult thing if you have a startup business is is a lot of people are going in for their first time to do things and they may not see the big picture of all the things that might have to handle. Because we talk about the sexiness of the technology, of the vision, all that stuff, but you still have basic business principles. You have to deal with people, you have HR, you have all these things happening, and the economy is always changing all the time, so you have to adapt to that. In the marketing world, things change all the time. You can see uh, just way they uh, Facebook and Google, there's constantly changing the algorithms, so if you're into data, Apple kind of created some things where they had more data privacy, which affected a lot of people's marketing and the cost for customers, you always have to adapt and overcome that. And it gives you that experience of kind of going to something and understand things are always changing and you're always adapting. So you're kind of going in with a little bit more relaxed attitude and less being paranoid about this and just accepting that and say, okay, how do I deal with this? And I've done that before. I've overcome obstacles before. So it gives you that confidence to overcome it again and again. And that really oozes out through your organization, being a leader that understands, hey, you know, we got this. Here's a major change that's happening in the economy. And here we are today. There's a lot of changes going on. We have inflation, the largest it's been in 40 years. And a lot of people haven't experienced this before. I haven't, I'm old, but I'm not that old. I've experienced the, the inflation from those days. So this is new for all of us going to this economy too, is how do we adapt to that? But uh, I get excited about these time periods. I like when things change. I, 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 I thrive in chaos or you know, the eye of the hurricane is always calm. So that's kind of like where I like to be. It's like, here's a hurricane around me. I'm like the eye in that hurricane. I, I like I like those situations. So, you know, it sounds like, and I could feel like the energy and the excitement and the passion that you have when you talk about um, these topics, but it sounds like, or it seems like you've always kind of been a problem solver. Is that true? Yeah, yeah. I call them puzzles. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. like solving puzzles. And, uh, just a little shift in the, the mind. It's not a problem. This is a puzzle. How do we figure it out? For sure, and for it, sure. It's, it's, yeah, it's tough because you got to you get to a level where you might be that way, but you also have to create the team around you to be that way. And uh, that's one thing I've learned with time, with experience, is I'm as good as my team. 
You know, when there's a when something goes wrong, it's my fault. If something goes right, it's my team who did it. So understanding that and really understanding how the power of the team and, and creating a team that can drive your vision, it's, it's very important if you want to build something very big. So, you know, how did you focus on, um, you know, building a team? You mentioned the importance of a team, but how did you focus on necessarily like growing it and building it and getting it to where it is today? Yeah, a lot of learning there. A lot of learning about that. Uh, jumping into the uh, more of a technology business, I had to pick up that pretty quickly and how to do things. So there's a lot of uh, trial and error there, uh, finding the right parts. So you, in some cases, the, the people are right people, but they weren't the right fit for the organization. So constantly learning with that. Uh, for us, our 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 kind of um, our customer base was around 2,000 pre-pandemic, and then it got to 30,000 today, and this is, I'm not saying we're post-pandemic, but more towards the end. So we also have to dealt with the, uh, with the, the change in attitude with the workforce moving from work from home. And that was a, a monumental change for a lot of businesses is how do I adapt my business and how do I work with a workforce that's no longer around me? And, and a lot of people just feel uncomfortable leading people that. So I had to, I had to develop myself, walk out of my comfort zone, say, okay, I'm going to be relaxed working with people all remotely and how do I build a team around me to support them doing that and that took a couple turnarounds for me to get it right uh this last year our company's really done really well we had no turnover within the last 12 months we're pretty positive that things are on the right uh path with that but I had to dive into certain things and change certain things that normally I probably wouldn't have done in the past if, if it was a normal market conditions and so that was a really huge learning curve for myself on that stuff. And a lot of us, you have to learn on the fly because that's kind of business. Everything's being thrown at you all the time. It's kind of like you just kind of move out of the way all the time with things. So that, that's been a fasting growth the last couple of years. Now here we are into, we're entering another stage in the economy where, you know, we might enter a recession or things get, or the inflation's happening. So we also have to look, okay, how are we going to adapt here? And I just like to look back at my different experiences in life. And I'm like, okay, you know, whatever's going to be thrown at us. Hey, let's take it on head, head strong. Let's, let's tackle it. Awesome. I mean, you know, you just mentioned that, you know, during the pandemic, you know, you were able to create and build a community of over 30,000 customers during that time. So, you know, how were you able to accomplish a task of that size? Uh, that'd be a test of my team. I would say it's testaments on the people around me. A couple of key decisions we made is be aggressive during the downturn. We ended up, I wanted to spend money on marketing. I felt like during a downturn, there's opportunity presents itself. And we, we just spent a lot of money on customer acquisition at the end of the day. And we were able to acquire the customers, a lot of the marketing partners and relationships we were able to build were in a time period where people weren't spending money. So we ended up developing some great relationships and had pretty good costs to get our customers. And then after a year or two of doing that, we kind of now we started optimizing our channels of how to bring our customers in based on that data that uh, we got at that time period. So it's one of those, it was a critical decision is not to pull up on our spend. We made the decision in 19 to do that too. So when the pandemic did happen, everyone's like, Hey, what are we going to do? I'm like, well, we're just going to stick to the plan because I, you know, I just had a gut th feeling that, Hey, this is a time to be aggressive with things and not be passive. And we did that. And fortunately it turned in the right direction for us. I mean, I feel like a lot of people, you know, during the beginning of the pandemic maybe felt that being a little bit more conservative would be, I guess the better route to take because, you know, of not knowing how long the pandemic would last or, or what the outcome would be. 
Did you ever yeah. feel that way? Was was your decision to be aggressive, you know, in, in marketing and aggressive in your your actions? Was that ever intimidating? Did you ever second guess it or you were just like, hey, I had this gut feeling. Let's do it. This is the plan. We're going to stick to it. Uh, I, I didn't second guess the plan at all. It, it A lot of things were thrown at you at a, at a time period where uh, things were, were changing a lot. And um, it's and the, the team I had at that point in time was was uh, that was the team I used to work inside. And I think some of the members of the team were traditional needed to be in the office. So that's what we had to adapt in, in with the team members, but no, no way. I, I, I like that decision. I never, I questioned that decision. I thought it was a very critical decision for us to move ahead to do things. And um, here we are again, we're in a time period where there might be some change happening and going on. And again, I want to be aggressive with things on that. So I'm already kind of laying down that path. If a, if a recession does happen, what are we going to do? And we're going to be very proactive if things do go kind of uh, start slowing down a little bit. No, and it's clear that, you know, that plan of, you know, taking aggressive action definitely paid off. Uh, you know, being able to just build that community is not a small task. It's not a small feat. So, you know, it definitely paid off. Yeah, it, it has. It's, uh, well, thank you for that. It's, uh, it's, it's interesting. You know, you go in, you got a lot of money, you're putting a lot of money out there. You got investor capital and stuff and you're hoping it's going to work. It did work. And, you know, there's always another thing that's being thrown at you. And uh, for, for us, it did. And we made some good choices. So we learned a lot, too. That's the big things we learned. And we adapted to what we learned along the way. You know, something very interesting I just heard you say is that, you know, you're kind of looking, studying the market and, and uh, forecasting that, you know, we might be coming up on a recession. But you're already planning uh, the plan of action or the plan of attack. So, I mean, you know, what's the importance of just being a forward thinker and being able to plan ahead and, and, and uh, you know, how did you develop that skill? Yeah, you know, I, when I developed that skill, I, I, I guess I had to go back to childhood, just overcome obstacles all the time. Uh, maybe it was, I don't know, I switched a lot of schools going around. So it's only kind of restarting yourself, making friends all the time, because it could be something like that. It's almost like you're restarting yourself and having that kind of confidence. I remember skipping schools and then moving across the, con the country, not knowing people where I was moving to at the same time, and just kind of having, but to me, that's like an excitement. It's like that excited. It's like a new journey. So I always get that more, I, my feelings, it's not hundred percent, but it's always like more tilts towards that excitement of, of doing that as something new, something fresh and, and change. It, it's kind of fun. I, I kind of get bored when things are kind of going easy and the processes are in place. It's time for me to move on to something else. So I, I like the challenge. Uh, I, you know, surprisingly, I'm not really motivated uh, as much as money as, as people think I'm more motivated on competition and just building something that people will love. Uh, I mean, this company, I've, 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 we did it. We took an idea and, and we put it, we put it into place. So it, mission accomplished here. Now the next level for my, myself is to continue to have this thing grow to the next level and maybe take on some other projects in the future as well. Incredible. So, you know, how do you balance being a CEO, a father and a husband all while, you know, focus on growing and building and expanding your company? Yeah, yeah. And that's a great day for that, too, because for whatever reason, I didn't have school today. I didn't even know. Until <laughs> 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 uh, 
But uh, a little bit, the work from home culture is, it allows a little bit more flexibility to be around family a little bit more. Uh, really for me, it's, it's developing, being more focused, uh, developing other skills is fine tuning. Uh, I, I time block a lot. I time block my day a lot. I try to leverage systems and technologies for myself to do things. Uh, and I'm always look and I kind of schedule a meeting with myself like once a week and saying, okay, what did I work on this past week? And I always kind of like focus myself or like, okay, what's maybe each day, what's one goal I want to accomplish one major goal. Where, what are my three major goals this month I want to establish? And, and looking at what did I work on during the day? What are my tasks? Did I do like something, for instance, did I work on accounting? I was like, well, that's not, I'm not, I have a finance department. Why am I doing accounting? So making sure I'm working on the things day to day that drive the goals that I have for myself. And that way I'm really kind of hyper-focusing my time more and more and spending and having in more quality time with people. It's kind of, hate to say, you're trimming the fat with some things, but you have to make sure that you're spending your time wisely with the relationships you're building, uh, with the people you're participating with, the, the things you're doing from a day-to-day -day activity, and just really having that time, make that time really, really high quality time. Man, that's a very, very valuable piece of information, man. And it's, I had to write it down. It was actually the first time I've ever heard somebody put it that way. Like you schedule a meeting with yourself to make sure that you're accomplishing uh, goals to drive to drive forward, you know, the bigger purpose and, and to make sure you're you're uh, taking the right steps to the bigger picture. So I think that's really, really valuable and really interesting. Yeah. It, and then all of a sudden you start attracting other people like yourself and then they start sharing the way they do with stuff. And then you, you're just kind of, then you're optimizing it now. So you might be the only one doing it. And now all of a sudden you have five or six people in your life are doing it. For some reason you attract that. I'm not sure what that is. Or you start, you know, pushing that out and reaching out to people and you start building these relationships and then they tell you their techniques and you just try them out and figure out what works best for you. I know I have a routine that I do like every morning and every day I try to do a certain amount of things and I can't really add anymore. I'm out of time. So I kind of, okay, I try new things and, and, I, and I move stuff out and I figure out what works for me. It's not what works for this works for everybody. A lot of people push this, dude, it's my way. It's my way. Well, that's great. But what works for yourself? So you got to go out there, you try someone's stuff. That's great. But at the same time, you got to find out what works for yourself. And, you know, I do a lot of things for uh, my own development to make sure I, I'm, I'm healthy. I'm, I'm sound mind, sound body. And during the pandemic, we're so bored with stuff. So I'm sitting here like checking all this stuff out and see a YouTube video. And like some guy jumps in this freezer for an ice bath. So one day my wife sees like a, 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 a freezer delivered to our house and she goes what's this for we need it for me our phrase because the freezer is kind of small great again so i was like no i'm making a home ice bath so i got some flex seal i sealed it off and filled up with water and i have this ice bath in my uh that i put the water in and it's a freezer and it's like 35 degrees cold so i did that and then you know a month goes by she sees all this stuff comes in i bought a sauna for my house so i kind of do the ice bath sauna stuff so she thinks i'm a little nuts with the stuff but it's you know i, I really enjoy that stuff no, nah, I mean, that's incredible. And I, so me personally, I really love the sun. I'm a huge fan of it. It's a great place to kind of meditate, quiet your mind or whatever and focus. But I've never done the ice bath before. I'm kind of afraid to do that. So, you know, when you started, uh, you know, applying these techniques to your life, like as far as the sauna and then the ice bath, what are some of the things that you, what are some of the benefits that you personally experienced by doing these, these different things? 
Yeah, it's it's there's a bunch of benefits and and they they say it's it's like if you could overcome the cold and physically it has a direct correlation with you overcoming mental mental challenges. So there's a big mind body connection there. Also, it's supposed to help you prevent like diseases and builds up your immune system with that. And there's all these gurus out there who do all these different things. Again, so you start attracting all these people into your life. And uh, there's people such as Wim Hof. There's uh, who's uh, one of my friends uh, happened to have um, one of the surfers. What's his name? Laird Hamilton is one of the big wave surfers. He does a lot of uh, training with a sauna and ice bath too. It's cool to have a friend of mine be friends with him. So I got to understand his techniques as well. You start attracting all these other people and learning what they do. Yeah, it's, it's kind of cool. And they all have like their own systems. You just try it out and see if it works for yourself. But there's like a whole routine. You go in the, the sauna for like 212 degrees for 15 minutes. And then you go in the ice bath for three minutes and do a couple rounds of that. And you walk out of that feeling just invigorated, relaxed, right. calm. And you sleep super well. It's just <laughs> all the stress just, just comes off you. Now, yeah, I mean, that's, yeah. <laughs> yeah that, I mean, that's super interesting. And I just remember like the the feeling I would have after coming out of that sauna is exactly like how you just described it, like invigorating. You know, you feel like you can conquer anything you know yeah yeah it's great so you know one question that i want to ask is you know what would you say are some roadblocks or lessons that you've learned you know while building a diversity fund um yeah a lot of different lessons i mean i i, I think a little bit of it is it's good to be a little naive, I'd say in a way, because if you knew of everything you had to go against, you might not, you might scare yourself to do this stuff. There are right. a lot there is the resistance from the traditional world. The, I call it the legacy world. And you could just have a visual of what that is. So a lot of things that, oh, I'm building this whole thing out, but then building a relationship with the bank who treats you like this. And you're kidding me. You're charging us these fees. This just doesn't make an economic sense and really building those relationships and and for us there, there's compliance and they want to charge you all this money for that compliance you're like what that's just super outrageous cost and then you know luckily is there's other companies that popped up in in the tech world that replaced these legacy businesses but these legacy businesses really not being innovative kind of underwriting you like a, a brand new business like it hasn't been done before, but we're more innovative taking something that's been done before and, and making it better. So that's really been the obstacles. Uh, compliance has always been hard. We're heavily regulated. And it seems like every time someone new in office, the rules change. And, and a good analogy is like you're in a football game. It's it's third down. You spike the ball and the ref hands the ball to the other team. You're like, what? It's like because they change they change the rules in the middle of the game. I thought we had right. four downs. No, you have three downs. Like, you gotta tell us this. So there's a lot of subjectivity in that world. And so it seems to me what I've learned in that world, it, it just costs a lot of money to do it. So you, one of the things going in is like, how do you survive to that point? So you can afford to pay those costs to, to, to understand how to play and navigate in that world. So, you know, you, you, you touched on this a little bit earlier, but I want to ask again, I want to ask you, you know, how do you define success as a CEO and a founder and an entrepreneur? Uh, I mean, for me, if you have a vision, you execute the vision, that's success. For us, I, I feel like we, we've achieved, achieved what we set out to do. Now, if we want to take it to that next level, that huge level, it's there. We have that clear path. But for me, 
was taking an idea that you have in, in building a community around it and being able to monetize that and have a self-sustaining business. And that's what we have today. So that's success. Um, you know, success could be something that's just kind of giving your all too. If you did fail in doing a project, you know, success is just kind of giving it, it's, it's how you define it. Uh, for me personally, it's just really giving something 110% and looking at, I tried my best at something and, uh, and growing and learning from it. That's success to me. And what would you say is the most important reason for your success? The most important reason? Uh, I think it's my ability and it's almost tenacity to constantly learn all the time. I just have this thirst. It's still there and it hasn't gone away. I'm always learning. I, I Someone recommends me a book, I buy it. And I, I think I have like 30 books I haven't read yet because I keep ordering them too fast. And I don't get out <laughs> like audibles and I have so much. It's like too much information. Yeah, I need like an algorithm to tell me what I should read and summarize it for me. It'd be great. But it's just that, that thirst of knowledge. That's incredible. So, you know, how would you like for people to remember you and your company? Yeah, at the, at the end of the day, um, you know, our company is here designed to give everyone an opportunity. It's as long as we're, we're giving people awareness and that opportunity, mission accomplished. It's not, I don't mind if people, hey, if they want to invest in platform or not, but hey, this exists here. We're allowing you, you have the opportunity to, to invest in this. Here's something that you might not know exists, giving you that awareness about it that success to me with, uh, with, with diversity fund. So, um, that's, that's what, uh, that's the point we're trying to get across everyone. There's so much education involved. We are not aware of that, of how much we have to educate. So that's where we are taking our message and we're trying to really personalize it to people and understand it and put it in words that everyone understands. Cause when we put it out there, we can't talk in lingo, like an institutional investor. We have to give everyone their own journey of where they are at their point in life. It's different. So, you know, this isn't your first time mentioning, you know, the education piece or the education portion of your company. So why was it so why is it so important for your company to educate its users and its clients? A lot of different reasons. Uh, it just depends on where someone is on. Their, I call it their journey and their financial journey at the end of the day. It's like, hey, how does this fit into my portfolio? How does this fit into where I am in life? Well, hey, how do I get involved with something? Hey, you know, I have a hundred bucks, five hundred dollars. Hey, I, I, I just no way I could be a millionaire with that or save hundreds of thousands of dollars. So how does this work for me and how to do that? And that's when we kind of customize tools and try to create tools for people to just get on that path. Uh, we've developed something like an auto invest option where people would take money each month and put it in on a monthly basis, so it just compounds and grows. So it's like a, I call it like a savings account on steroids. And so that's a tool we created by the feedback, getting that from people. And as we grow, and I've talked about the legacy world, they all like the banks. And I know why everyone doesn't like crypto and all this stuff. There's so much money in banking at the end of the day. But it, it's really drilling down the cost to transact. So we allow people coming in at even smaller amounts of money, as long as it's economically feasible for all parties, and allow them an earlier stage to get in. Now you can think of people, hey, I get a paycheck every two weeks. Maybe I'm getting part of my paycheck, putting that aside for this and really kind of telling them that how this, this investment works and then how this works for their situation. So there's, there's a couple, there's a lot of education that's involved. So do you think that, you know, diversifying is, you know, a safe place for somebody who may be fearful of the, 
of a looming recession? Do you think uh, diversity fund is a safe place to kind of park your funds and, and still have it invested, but have it safe at the same time? Yeah, our product today, the product we're mainly focused is multifamily real estate and in an inflationary environment, rents are going up at the end of the day. Uh, we don't look at it like tremendous amounts of how it's taken off these last couple of years, but just kind of incremental growth. And if you see if your money's locked somewhere else, you're, you're not going to, you, you know, you might not have the opportunity to go upward trajectory. The stock market fluctuates so much. And you can see stocks just crash across the board. You can see that right now. Probably, I, haven't, I don't check it right now. I don't check my stocks because <laughs> it's not a positive <laughs> frame of mind when you do it. But anyway, it's, um, it's really a great hedge against uh, inflation. And it is a tangible asset that you could touch and understand a bit more than if you're investing stock in a company and it's so complex. How do you know about those things? And a lot of those uh, valuations have been very frothy the last couple of years. We had a tremendous uh, bull run. Uh, God, it's been over a decade. So it's a long, long time for most people. And now things are, are changing a little bit. So some of these kind of basic fundamentals of, hey, is it a tangible asset? It's something that I'm protected in. Does it have too much leverage on it? Stuff like that. Um, for us, it's it's we believe it's a safe alternative for today. Definitely something for people to avoid. And really the thing is about losing money in these time periods. People don't want to lose money. Where can I put parking money somewhere that could actually gain some money too? So what does the future of diversity fund look like to you? Uh, the future is that we're going to continue to grow our community. And as we grow our community, we'll, we'll, we receive a lot of feedback. We want to make it a great experience for people. And as we grow, we'll introduce more and more products that are, uh, I consider them uh, opaque. The private market area is very opaque, not transparent at all. So we want to introduce more and more of those products to people and allow them and teach them, hey, you have uh, a, a chance to invest in these type of products, educate them what they are, how... Do they fit into their portfolio and give everyone access and opportunity to uh, take advantage of investing in them? Man, that's incredible, Craig. Thank you so much for your time today. I mean, like I said, you, you gave us a lot of valuable information, um, a lot of actionable information. So, you know, I really appreciate getting the chance and the opportunity to learn from you. And I'm definitely going to uh, look into Diversify. Great. Appreciate it. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thanks.